0: Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. I love those moments when God invades our presence, when His presence takes over. Amen. That's why I come to church. I don't know about you. Uh, I need a moment with Him. Amen. And you know what the good news is? You don't have to go to church to get it. You can be right at home. You can be in your car. You can be in your garden. You can be at Safeway or the Walmart. It doesn't matter. God will show up in the middle of Walmart if you'll let him. Amen. Hallelujah. Even Walmart. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Let me just say this to you. I I feel led to say this. There are people in this place today right now that you're dealing with circumstances that seem to be beyond your control. You seem like, it feels like that you can't get any traction in it to bring resolution. And it just seems to continue to roll on. I want to tell you, God's here right now to give you traction. Ah, Amen. Amen. He'll set you free. He's going to deliver. He's going to make a way where there seems to be none. He is the way maker. Amen. Believe him. Worship him. Church, worship him. Tell him you love him. Just worship him because you know what? He will do amazing and wondrous things. He's a good God. Can you say amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, seems like lately that it's taken me a little while to get to my text, but that's okay. That's just a season. It, it'll change. I'll, I'll get to the point where I'm writing sermons where I read the text first. And so it doesn't really matter, does it? It's all the sermon. The sermon's going to be the sermon. And so Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 25. Now, last week we dove into what I believe is a significantly difficult but necessary area for Christianity. And that is learning to love our enemy. Learning to love our enemy. I believe this morning that (coughs) this is something that this generation desperately needs. And now let, let me say this to you. I don't believe it's for them out there in the world. We're talking about the church today. We're talking about what happens inside the church. Because there's something about the dynamic of love that I think is missing in the church. We have no problem loving those that love us. Amen. Amen. We have a very difficult problem loving those that we don't agree with or that we've deemed are against us. Or that don't love us back. We have a hard time with that. Jesus comes on the scene and he turns the world upside down. Don't you love Jesus that he does that? He he did that over and over and over again. Jesus is the one that has a woman sitting at his feet learning. That was a stonable offense in his day. But he has a woman there learning. He's discipling a woman. Shh, don't say that. Jesus turned the world upside down, came on the scene and he says, you have heard it said to love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. I've come to say, love your enemies. This was unthinkable. This see, see, because you have to understand that in the first century, Jerusalem had very real present enemies in front of them. And Jesus is coming because, see, at that time, Rome was their enemy and they were hard taskmasters and they they demanded lots from them. And and, and Roman citizens could actually demand of Jewish people that they, if they were traveling, okay, you're going to carry my backpack for a mile. Or if if I need something from you, you're going to provide it. And they couldn't question it. And this was very upsetting. Can you imagine Can you imagine living in a culture where anyone that was of a certain citizenship could demand something of you and you had no choice in the matter? And this is what Jesus is preaching in. And he says this, he goes, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. He says, but I'm going to tell you, I want you to love your enemies. And then he goes on and he says, and he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He says, but I'm going to change that. He goes, you know what? Do good to them. He goes, the one that demands a mile, go to. And if the guy wants your shirt, give him your coat also. And if he wants to borrow something, just give it to him. Jesus says, I'm going to turn everything upside down. And this thought that has captivated me, it's, it's just caught me. It's grabbed me. This love your enemies. That's something that Christianity struggles with, church. It really does. And so last week we took some time and we answered the question, who is my enemy? And in the broadest sense of the word, an enemy is anyone who has turned against me. And it blows my mind this morning how quickly we can turn someone we don't even know into an enemy. Just because... They believe a little bit different than us. It always amazes me. I, you know, the reality is, church, no one has got it all right. That's right. No one has the corner on truth. We're all a little bit skewed. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And we demand lots of tolerance for our defect, but we want to give little tolerance for others. It, there's no greater place to see this than to go on Facebook. <laughs> it amazes me what Christians will say about other Christians. It blows my mind. He's of the devil. Really? Really? They, just because they believe a little bit different than you, they're of the devil. And I mean, we will, Christians will say and, and, and put out all kinds of vicious statements about other people just because they're a little bit different. Listen, we're all on a journey of becoming what God wants us to be. Yes. And when we set ourselves as a judge over someone else's belief system, we are on dangerous ground because God has called us to love. He has called us to respect, to honor, to apply grace, and to treat people as we would have them treat us. See, much of Christianity has come to buy into this mindset that we've got to draw a line in the stand and and we've got to resist evil doctrine. Now listen, I know you're thinking, oh, what, what do you accept anything? Of course not. We accept truth. We don't we don't want to buy into what the devil is saying. But listen to me, coming against the people is not the way to get it done. No doubt that there is evil doctrine and it must be exposed. And there's no doubt that sin is destructive and we must stand against sin. But the problem is, is in our zeal to resist what we believe is wrong, we vilify those who are, we are called to love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This goes all the way back into the Old Testament, believe it or not. God is dealing with the children of Israel. They've gotten themselves into trouble once again. Babylon has come in. They've pulled them out of Israel. They are in exile. And God is wanting to give them victory. So he says this in Jeremiah 29, 7. He says, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. This is an amazing thing because what God does is he ties their blessing to the blessing of their enemy. It seems completely backwards and upside down, but that is the way of God. God says, I want you to pray for your enemy. I want you to bless the one that is holding you captive. I want, to, I want you to do good to the one that is speaking against you because in doing so, you will release the blessing on you. I think the reason this is so tough for us is because we've greatly misunderstood the power of blessing and what it's there for. See, we think of blessing in terms of getting a bigger bank account or having a bigger car or a bigger house or better clothes, and that can be a blessing. But listen to me, God looks at blessing much differently than we do. See, blessing to God is when a man or a woman is in right line with God. And God says, I want you to pray for your enemy because I want to pour out blessing on you. I want to do good things for you. I want you in right line with me. And so the only way you can align yourself with me is to pray for your enemy. So we answered the question, how do we love our enemies? Well, the first thing we do is we disarm them. In other words, we do what is unexpected. You want to, you, if you really, really, really want to do something exciting, see, go to the one that is talking against you. Go to the one that's harassing you or the one that's abusing you or the one that's got you upset or all of those things, the one that's neglecting you and bless them speak over them because you will it will short circuit them it'll they won't know what to do because they're expecting retaliation they're expecting you to be angry they're expect, they know how to operate in that world but the moment you come and say you know what bro I'm praying for you if you got a boss that seems to be unfair go to him and say hey you know what bro I'm praying for you and your family and your business because I think God wants to bless you your boss will go I don't know. He's, he's expecting you. You're unfair. You're rotten. You're no good. But if you go to that one and you disarm them, they have no retaliation. They have no ability to harm you. He tells us, he goes, then bless them. Speak well of them. Honor them. Do good to them. And pray for them. You know, here's the thing. It's really hard to be angry with the guy you're praying for. Amen. Amen. And then finally, the message is, forgive them. This is where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. And it's probably the place... Of Christianity's greatest struggle. This is probably where most Christians fail. fail. Where they don't do well. And this is also probably the epicenter of where all the other problems come in. Listen to what I'm saying. You'll see it here in a minute. Things like revenge and retaliation and payback. See, they're planted deep within us. We're, 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 we tend to carry that with us. Sin you know, when sin came into the world, this is something that came along with it. And everyone is born a little bit of a retaliator. It's deep inside us to hold a grudge. Think about it. Well, I don't get, I don't get mad, bro. I don't get mad. I get even. That's me. No, nope, not, not even mad, but you're going to be Sorry. And I think every one of us at some point or another have struggled with this reality. We hold on. We hold on to what we resent at all cost. Man, I've met some professional grudge holders in my day. I mean, they've hung on. It's like, my gosh, that was 84 years ago. It's time to let go. I know I know your brother when you were two and he was three he took away your pacifier I know I know I know and he should have never done that that dirty rotten dog he should have never done it but you know what it's over you are now 84 and he is 85 and it's time to heal the wound it's time to mend the gap. It's time to restore the relationship. But the problem is, no, 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 no. Because somewhere, sometimes, our, our resentment actually gives us purpose and identity. Oh, that's deep. Are that's you hearing deep. what I'm saying? Somewhere along the line, what happens is we get to this place where it's like, man, I, I, I just got to hang on. Yeah. And if we're going to answer wrongdoing with any other response than wrongdoing then we're going to need to change at the core of our being are you hearing what i'm saying as christians all hope for that change is going to be found in christ nowhere else can we find change we're not going to find it anywhere else it's only revealed in christ are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. What he taught us and how he taught us to live. Yep. It's through his death and his resurrection that gives us an example of how to deal with those things that come against us. In 1 Peter 3.9, listen to these words. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do. And he will bless you for it. Amen. Listen to that word. Don't, don't, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when think people do unkind things. But instead, pay them a blessing. Go, you know what? You're the man. You're the woman. You're all right. Your heart's going i don't believe a word of it, but say it so i 'm going to do something different I'm going to treat them differently because that's what God wants me to do. How many want to do the will of God? Raise your hand okay well here's the will of God you know we you know oh, I'd give my life for Jesus I'd die for him. How about just live for him Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. If we will ever break free from the cycle of bitterness, then we must learn that forgiveness is the only way out. Yes. See, forgiveness is at the foundation upon which all of Christianity is founded. Amen. Yeah. Do you hear that? Love yeah. and forgiveness. Yeah. It is the cornerstone They work hand in hand, and it is the cornerstone of salvation. Are you hearing me? See, whether it's forgiveness that's being extended to us by Jesus, or whether it's from us being extended to others, forgiveness is the essence of being Christ-like. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. He says this, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. That's an important Amen. phrase, just yes. as Christ forgave you. I'll say it again. You didn't get it. Just as Christ forgave you. How did Jesus forgive me? In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for me that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Amen. The way Christ forgave me was by loving me while I was still his enemy. When I was his foe, when I had no thought about him, when I cared nothing about him, when I didn't care to be a Christian, when I didn't want to go to church or do anything godly, Jesus was on a cross dying for me to give me an opportunity to know him. He says, I'm going to forgive them before they even ask. Are you hearing me? That's how. And I'm, I'm not taking it out of context. This is it. Forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. That is the standard of forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another forgive as the lord forgave you here's that statement again it's a pesky statement wow because it really does hold the standard god meant it didn't can you see that god says it over and over again this is not a suggestion but rather it is a command with deep consequences yes. now let me let me just go on a little bit of a bunny trail okay we all we all we did you how many love the worship service we love that don't oh, we yeah. That was beautiful. We, we, we come up, we come towards the altar, we lift our hands, we lift our voice, we sing, we're worshiping, we bask in the presence of God, and we want that. And, and, and the truth is, we love that moment, and it feels good. Yes. Okay, it feels good. But it's got to go beyond feeling. Can you say amen? Yes. It can't just be about the doodads. It's got to go into relationship. It's got to go into intimacy. It's, it's got to take us closer to him. Can yes. you say amen? And see, somewhere what we have to do is we have to give up on this notion of superficial Christianity. We, we, need, to, we need to dive in and we need to get into that deep part of God because it's got to go beyond. See, this, what happens here is a moment, but this has got to translate into a life. Can you yes. say "Man, yes. It's got to affect me at Safeway and at the, at, at the park. And it's got to, when I'm driving down the road and when my husband is acting like an idiot or my wife isn't doing what I tell her to do and, you know, all these things, when my kids refuse to clean their room, and, and when the bill collector wants my money, and when my boss won't give me a raise, and when all of life is beginning to happen, all of this that's happening here has got to translate into that. Can you say amen? Yes. Now, here's the problem for a lot of people, it's not getting past here, it's not getting past the moment. We're not getting past the whipped cream. That's right. Exactly. Wow, come on. Amen. Amen. You know, my my grandson loves pie, as long as the pie can go away and the whipped cream can stay. If you tell him, here's a plate of pie, and put a big old uh, pile of whipped cream, he'll eat the whipped cream. He don't care about the pie, he'll lick the pie to get the rest of the residue off. That's like a lot of Christians. We're committed to this superficial level of Christianity. It's just whipped cream. We, we got to get by that. And see, and then we wonder why we're so sick. Because if you eat a can of whipped cream, it might not bother you. But if you eat a case of whipped cream, guess what? You're probably going to be a little bit altered. You're, you're gonna, your belly is going to be a little bit upset. Oh, you got a tummy ache? Well, maybe you ought to put something in it other than just pure sugar. Is that, is that too hard? Am I being too hard? Somewhere along the line, what we got to do is we gotta, we got to get down to this and say, wait a second, this is going to translate. And God says, I want you to love like I loved, and I want you to forgive like I forgive. That's the standard. And by the way, this ain't a suggestion. It's a command with consequence. So in Mark, here's our text. Mark chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. It says, and whenever you stand praying... Remember what we were doing up here? If you have anything against anyone, I'm going to use the words again, anything against anyone. Anything (laughs) against anyone. It covers the whole gamut, doesn't it? it Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive... Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Holy cow, wait a second. Back up. Time out. I don't know. See, I'll be honest with you. I read this scripture the other day when I was putting my sermon together and I got stuck. I'll be honest with you. I looked at that and I went, but if you don't forgive, I won't forgive. Oh, so I started studying what I normally do. i got to get an answer for this. i got to know what he's talking about. That's pretty heavy at face value. See, see, we like to twist things out of shape so that kind of fits our doctrine, don't we? How, so I'm thinking, how can I twist this? No, put it back up there. Don't, don't get rid of that. that, that we need that. We, we need that. There it is. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Well, okay, so I started, I'm going to dissect the words, I'm going to look at the phrases, I'm going to look at culture, I'm going to look at what he's saying, and at the end of the day, you know what he meant when he said it? If you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive. Wow. So what does that mean? That means there is a sin that that will eat you up from the inside out. It will destroy you like a growing cancer. See, there is a sin that will make it impossible for you to live a victorious Christian life. Oh, you'll have moments of victory, but you'll not have any consistent victory because it's a poison to the soul. And I'm not talking about drunkenness. I'm not referring to the enslavement of mind-altering drugs. I'm not talking about fornication or adultery or, 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 or witchcraft. These are sins certainly that are wicked, but there is a well-respected sin, a socially acceptable sin among Christians, which is equally as wicked. And what I'm referring to is the sin of unforgiveness, bitterness, having an unforgiving spirit. It's the only sin that will destroy its own container. Are you hearing me? And once it gets loose, it will corrupt everything it touches. So here's the question. Did Jesus really mean what he said in verse 26 of our text? Did he really mean to say, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses? Well, I believe it's a worthy question. And I believe it's deserving of a worthy answer. Over and over, the Bible teaches us to forgive. And over and over, it tells us there's significant consequences if we don't. Now, one of the most dramatic stories about forgiveness and the consequences of unforgiveness is found in Matthew chapter 18. And if you remember the story, the story starts in about verse 18, or I'm sorry, about verse 21. And it starts with Peter coming to the Lord. You've got to love Peter. Because Peter's a loudmouth, mouth. He's, he's got an opinion and he's willing to share it. How many know what I'm talking about? And he wants to look spiritual. So Peter comes and I am sure that he's motivated. Somebody, one of the 12, probably John, has been bugging him. You know, John's always got the boat. You know, the boat's always filthy. And, you know, John's kind of a weenie. You know, he doesn't do stuff. And, you know, he's always hanging out with Jesus. You know, he's always like, you know, you know, he's, the, you know he's the one that Jesus loved. You know, and he's, you know, Peter's just had enough. He's always crowding in on Jesus, right? So Peter comes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive? <laughs> And he being wanting to be spiritual and all. And he's, you know, his personality. And he's wanting to, you know, impress the brethren and maybe even impress Jesus. And he knows from history that the number seven is, you know, got some spiritual connotation. So he goes, how about I forgive seven times? And he, that's pretty good, man. I, look at me. I'm forgiven seven times. And Jesus looks back at him and goes, no, no, seven times 70. And I, I know all of you got your calculator out and you went, ooh, 490, yeah, yeah, whoa. Okay, so 491, look out. Yeah. Yes. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He, he says as many times as necessary. Right. And in some versions it says in a day. Yes. 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 Every day. Every day. Amen. So every, you know, God's mercies are new every morning. Yes. Remember, and he already set the standard. You forgive like I forgive, so your mercy needs to be new every morning. So then the story goes on, and and you kind of got to get a hold of this story because it's remarkable. So Jesus begins to tell Peter this story about this really rich king who decides that he's going to call all his accounts in. He's going to give an accounting of who owes him money. And he brings a man before him that owed him some money. And I've, I've read all kinds of figures on how much he owed. And the latest one I read was this man owed 160,000 years worth of salary. So take your salary, times it by 100, your yearly salary, times it by 160,000. So the man comes to this, this king and the king says, I want my money, I want it now. And he says, otherwise we're going to throw you into prison. Sell your family, pay to that. And the man cries out and he says, have mercy on me, please, please, I will repay all. Just give me some time. And the, and the king looks down at him and basically he's saying to him, there ain't no way, There's, in your lifetime, in your lifetime you're not going to have enough to pay this. So the only thing that can be done here." The only thing that really can be done here is for me to forgive you, yeah. to release you from your debt. Yeah. You can't do it. Even if you had 50,000 lifetimes, you're still 110,000 lifetimes short. Do yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kind of get the size of his yeah. debt. Yeah. And he says, so I'm going to forgive you. Go, go in peace. And the man goes, and he goes out, and he does what every Christian that has ever been forgiven does. He finds someone who owes him something. You owe me 10 bucks, bro. I want my $10. I want it now. I want my $10 now. You owe me. And if you can't pay, then I'm going to throw you in prison in debtor's prison until you pay everything you owe me. Well, that happened, and he did. He threw him into debtor's prison. Well, the king's servants heard about this, and they went back to the king, and this is the conversation. This is what happened. They told the king what happened, and it says in verse 32 of Matthew 18, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you from his heart, from his, from his, to you that from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. What is he saying? That's got... First of all, what he's saying is, is that unforgiveness always brings torment. Right. Yes, it does. See, I don't believe. Look, at. I, I need to clarify the picture in heaven here. This is my belief system. You can argue with me later. But I don't believe that God's up in heaven with his arms folded, his brow furrowed and going, you didn't forgive. I'm not going to forgive. That's it. It's done. I don't believe that's the picture in heaven. I believe what the picture in heaven is, is God is saying, my child, the way forgiveness works is it is reciprocal. It has to flow. It's kind of like AC current. It has to go back and forth. If, if, if it's going to work, it's got to go both ways. You can't, you can't have current. It's DC current going one way, but AC current is going both ways. It has to go both ways for it to work. And so I have forgiven you. And the expectation is you take that forgiveness and you apply it to the people that have hurt you. Right. But if you don't do that, then you nullify the forgiveness I gave because it's kind of like the manna. When you hoard it for yourself, it rots. That's right. Amen. 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 That's okay. You catching that? And then he says this, he says, and what happens is when you stay unforgiving, you open the door for torment. You open the door for the tormentors to come in and they begin to work against you. See, there's people in our lives, and maybe you're here today, that you are tormented, you're you're, you're perplexed, there's all kinds of things going on in your life right now, and you can't seem to explain them, You, you don't know where they came from. Dare I suggest to you that if you were to go back into history, could there be a spot of unforgiveness? Could it be that you're hanging on to something, you just haven't released it, you haven't let it go, and so now the door is open for the tormentor, you have given him, legal access. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. That's right. Amen. That word place is the word topaz. Give him no location yes. in your life. Why? Because the devil will take it yes. and he will exploit it. He won't go the, he won't go to his property on the shortest route. He will go all through your stuff to get where he's going Come on. That's right. and he will exploit everything and torment you. And so this sermon is not about looking at you going, you bunch of sinners out there, you better get it right and start forgiving. This is a warning that says, look at God has a plan. Yeah. Yeah. He has a plan for your freedom. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. And it works through the reciprocal of forgiveness. I will pour it out on you so that you can be a vessel of it to others. Amen. Good word. Now, in spite of all this, in spite of that truth, we still find it hard to forgive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Or at least stay consistent with forgiveness. Here's the insane thing. Not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'll show you. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm drinking strychnine because I'm mad at him. It don't make sense to me. Unforgiveness has been medically linked to all kinds of medical disorders and even insanity. One leading psychiatrist said 90% of all the people that are insane in this country could be released from the medical system if they would just learn how to forgive or be forgiven. Wow. Wow. amazing, isn't it? You know what forgiveness really is, is? Forgiveness really is just being gracious. That's what forgiveness is. It's being gracious. That's what God was with us. We are saved by his grace, aren't we? He's just being gracious. He's like, you know what? I have the ability to be gracious to you. So therefore I am. I'm gracious. That's what God's asking of us. See, the Bible uses a number of different Hebrew and Greek words to convey the concept of forgiveness. One one word means to blot out. Another one means to lift and carry away. Another one is to release from debt. And there's many, many others. But what is forgiveness? What is it really? What does it look like? Well, to forgive is to turn the key and open the cell door and let a prisoner go free. That's forgiveness. To forgive is to write in large letters across the debt, nothing owed. Forgiveness is to to pound the gavel in a courtroom and declare not guilty. Forgive is to shoot an arrow so high and so far that it can never be found again. To forgive is to loose the moorings of a ship and release it into an open sea. To forgive is to relax the stranglehold on a wrestling opponent. To forgive is to smash a clay pot into a thousand pieces so it can never be put back together again. That's what forgiveness is. (coughs) Think of yourself as a banker. In your hand, you have a note detailing a huge debt that is owed to you could be abuse it could be betrayal it could be neglect you could have been taken advantage of any number of things but when you look at it it says you owe me and what forgiveness is is instead of putting the note back in your pocket and saying you better come through forgiveness is simply saying let me just tear this note up you don't owe me nothing He said, Well, how do I do that? You can't on your own. I mean, this is why ref- forgiveness is reciprocal. And this is, why, this is why there's such harsh consequences. Because forgiveness has to begin with God. He is the only one that can truly forgive. Do you, do you understand that? It, it's, love is the same thing. Love has to be. God is love. How do I love my enemy? Through God. I allow the love of God to be poured into me so I could pour it back out. So when forgiveness, so when I understand I paid a debt or I was forgiven of a debt that I could not pay, when, when, when my debt was so large that my entire life could never satisfy the debt and I realized I was forgiven of that, I now have the capacity to pour that out on somebody else. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? What, what, what's what's going to get me to do that? Well, that's the whole point of what we talked about last week. See, when I love somebody, when I truly love my enemy, what I'm doing is I'm walking down the road of forgiveness. See, when I bless them, I'm forgiving. When I do good to them, i'm forgiving when i pray for them i'm forgiving now look at church i'm not a novice some things in this room are very very petty and we just in some ways just need to get over it but there are some things in this room that are very very serious very deep very hurtful debilitating even but even those things can be overcome because what happens is when you begin to Allow that love to penetrate. You allow that love to begin to permeate and begin to flow. And you begin to do good and bless and pray. The one that you notice changing is you. You begin to notice that something's happening in you. All of a sudden, now you're free. All of a sudden, the prisoner that got released out of the prison cell was you. Are you hearing me? See, a lot of us are convinced, well, you know, I've gotten over it. No, all we've really done is lengthen the leash. (laughs) Have you ever been, when you were a kid, did you ever torment a dog? I know all of you guys never did that, but I did. You find a neighborhood dog that's really mean, that's tied up on the leash, and you find the end of his leash. And then you stand about two foot away, you remember the Tom and Jerry episode where the big bulldog and Tom would stand right by just right at the end of the leash and the bulldog would come running as fast as he could and wham jerk him right off his feet and onto the ground and he realized oh I'm still tied to this thing See that's what happens 25 years have gone by but we haven't forgiven and all of a sudden we think we're free and we're running and wham out of nowhere we're jerked right off our feet with a sore neck laying there going what just happened and you realize I am still tied to that event to that person they have gone on they have moved on they ain't even thinking about you they they don't even know what's happening nothing it's beyond them but you are still being affected why would you allow somebody that much control in your life why would you allow them to have that kind of control you need to be free and freedom comes through forgiveness he told us i want you to love your enemy because loving your enemy is going to set you free. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. God always has a great plan. And you know, we could go on and on and on and we could talk hours about the, all the minute things of forgiveness the wise and the why 4s my point to you is is that you say I don't know what to do just begin to pray that one right now you're thinking of that one that hurt you just begin to pray for them just pray say you know what God I, I don't even know what to say so I just pray you bless them just do that do that much do that see what happens see what God will do with that effort can you say amen Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you, Lord. We just give you the glory and the honor for what you've done. And Father, right now, we do pray for our enemy. We pray for this one that has hurt us, Lord, that has abused us, that has mistreated us, that has spoken against us. We pray for them. Lord, first of all, we take authority over their words, that their curses would fall to the earth. It blow away as dust. But we love the individual and we honor them and we pray for blessing over them. And we pray, God, that you would help them and minister to them. Father, right now we forgive, we release by faith. We make a decision of our will to forgive. And we release them. They owe us nothing, we cancel the debt. Lord, because you canceled our debt. And God, we give you the glory. Father, we ask for your help in this your encouragement, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place? Our ministry team is going to come up front. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them minister to you. God bless you. We will see you next week. You have a great, wonderful afternoon. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.